Welcome to episode five of Triple Play. The boys are back with the nonsense. It's Russell Roberts, joined by Mike Dietz, Mike Cruz, producer extraordinaire, Scotty Hatter, and we're getting ready to talk some football, football, and possibly a little bit more football. And we may get a left turn from Cruz here as we move along. Gentlemen, how goes it? It's going great, Russ. It is a very brisk 38 degrees here in Texas. So, of course, I'm wearing a parka, a winter hat, and uh, have on my Uggs just for good measure. In your home, <laughs> I'm sitting by a window. Nice I'm sitting touch. by a window. It's it's drafty. Yeah, have Uggs. It's, tra- it's drafty. <laughs> hey, the I greatest the of all time wears Uggs. You know, if Tom Brady does it, you know, it's part of the TV12 system. How how am I to argue? Is <laughs> <laughs> Tom Amansky approved as well? No, Fred McGriff approves it. Nah, Fred well, whatever. <laughs> These are the instructional videos that get results. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, however you're listening to us tonight, we are recording on October 27th. So World Series Game 6 is going on. Your quick update, is it still one nothing? So yeah, we'll say it's still one nothing. You don't know. By the time you it listen to us, it'll be over. Yeah. So however you're watching, listening to us, we appreciate it. So uh, Dietz, I know uh, the big day finally arrived for you. Last Friday, the Wisconsin Badges got to take the field. And they did. What a debut it was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Graham Mertz came, came through. He played a very good game and then he caught the COVID. So he's, <laughs> he's out for three weeks. So that's the, that's the way to come in like a lion and out like a lamb. Yeah. I, I think that's the football God saying, if you want a debut going 20 of 21, you get the vid. He should have been perfect. The one incompletion was a drop that should have been caught, but I digress. <laughs> if it hits well, in the hands, got to make the catch. That's right. That's right. And the, and the Badgers got all the way up to nine in the poll this week, and then found out not only is Mertz out, but so is the backup. So they they may be down to third, maybe even fourth string. For you know, I wouldn't say it's a heavyweight fight against Nebraska. I think they'll be okay. Yeah, it might be time for the old Badgers to rely on the running game, which they've been doing for the last I don't know two centuries. So I think they'll be all right, but. Certainly disappointing after uh, a quarterback performance like that out of redshirt freshman. Big Ten could be pretty interesting, depending on what happens here with uh, with what's going on in the East. I think Ohio State probably runs away with it, but uh, certainly in the West, with Wisconsin now being down their quarterback, uh, things could things could shake it up a little bit there. Yeah, well, it was fun to finally have the Big Ten join the party. Uh, it felt finally kind of like college football season because there were finally more games on than you could actually watch. And, and so it was fun to have the smorgasbord of games everywhere. I mean, Ohio state's just good. You mentioned them already. We mentioned 20 of 21s. Uh, so Justin Fields decided to do that too, in his game, uh, you know, against Nebraska. So, and he was like, Hey, whatever you can do, I can do the same. And then uh, if you guys didn't see it, you missed out, but Indiana and Penn state was freaking amazing. Deets, did you get to watch any of that? I did not know. Oh man. I, I haven't decided yet if he scored. It's, <laughs> I still, I mean, it's, it's been three or four days, right? Yeah. I, I still haven't decided if he scored. That is, I, I don't remember the last time I've seen a play that was so clear cut that if they had called it the other way on the field, there's almost no possible way it would have been returned. Indiana quarterback scrambles and levitates, I guess. I, I don't know. Right but it is short. It appears of the goal line with his knee down, but somehow before his knee hits and before the ball touches the pylon, one centimeter of it crosses the plane. I, I mean, it was gotta be the closest crossing of the, of the threshold that I think I've ever seen is nuts. Yeah, it was crazy. And you're right. Like, no, that was one of those calls where had they called them short, you'd have been like, yep. Okay. I, that's the way they called it. You can't really over. There's no way to overturn it this way, the exact same thing, you know, you can see the ball actually touched, as you mentioned, touched down before it hits the pylon, but it's so close. And then there was no angle down the line to see this was the FS one game that they didn't have pylon cam, but I don't even know if pylon <laughs> cam would have, would have helped. Of course. The one time they don't have it, right? <laughs> it's all, it's always that game, right? That doesn't have the down the line shot that they really, really need it. Like, how do we come on now? How do we fix this? To Russ's yeah, and, point, though, I don't even know if the wide angle would have worked. I mean, it's, it, 
would have been really interesting to see if they had had the pylon cam, how close it would have been. Because honestly, not even half of football. I mean, it was the smallest portion of the football. It was crazy. And that's not even the biggest story of the Big Ten weekend. I mean, we should celebrate the pending East title that will be won by the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Because everybody knows now, Rutgers is a player. Hey, sure. Yeah, if they get past <laughs> Ohio State, 2020 has officially gone off the rails. <laughs> Wasn't that many years ago where Baylor hadn't won a game in the Big 12 and then ran the table, you know? I'm not saying it's going to happen with Rutgers, but, you know, anything's possible. There wasn't, there, there wasn't a team like Ohio State in the Big 12 that year. That is true. <laughs> I'm going to throw that one right out there. Yeah. Well, everyone saw this battle of week two Big Ten unbeatens coming, Indiana and Rutgers. Everyone saw that when the season started, that that would be the lone matchup of unbeatens this weekend. Yeah, I think if you called that in your eliminator pool, uh, <laughs> you should go ahead and take the dub. <laughs> if somehow you had the the guts to pick both of those teams, you know, in various eliminator eliminator brackets, that's that's gutsy to take Rutgers right out of the gate. You know, got to tip your hat to that one. Good call. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to do, you got to you got to do some stuff. But it was also got to was... think that uh, there's some wise guys out there that made out pretty heavy from that Rutgers win. Got to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the spread on that was, but you know that they it definitely weren't wasn't positive. I'm yeah, I wasn't confident positive. of that. Yeah. And I'm not sure what the over under was on Michigan State turnovers, but I'm going to guess it was the over since it was seven. You know, I'm, I'm going to guess the over hit. Yikes. You know, you, you bring up a we're talking about these, these games and, and we talked about this a little bit last time, but you would think three weeks in for some of these teams. I know Big Ten, it was week one, but man, the play is still sloppy. It's really sloppy. Um, and you would expect, okay, yes, warm up game. Like maybe you can call the Penn State game, you know, a game like that. Um, but now we're three weeks in for SEC Big 12. We're five weeks in for some ACC teams. And we're still seeing some very sloppy football. I can't believe that spring practice is worth this much in October. I just, I don't get it. It's really the, it's really the opposite of what we saw in the NFL. You know, and I suppose that's just the youth and, you know, I guess that's what you're going to get with college students. But it's interesting that the play seems sharp in the NFL without preseason. We had a, a segment on, is preseason worth it? Well, maybe not in the NFL, but college football, they need it. <laughs> yeah, well, and let's not forget Penn State lost because they scored a touchdown. So if you didn't watch the, the game early. Yeah, well, Penn State was up 21-20 and there was a minute 42 to go. And they scored a touchdown instead of just taking the knee and running the clock. And Indiana came, scored, got the two-point conversion, and then goes to overtime. And then all, you know, all bets are off once that happens. I mean, because I don't even think until overtime, Indiana got over 200 yards of total offense. Like, they, they were totally shut down by Penn State's defense. And situational awareness, you know, Todd Gurley, who's been known to take the knee and not score a touchdown, then got confused and fell into the end zone yesterday or Sunday. <laughs> he was running too hard. <laughs> Couldn't slow himself down. I do think that that play, I, I know, I know we're on college football, but I will say, I think that play was called incorrectly because the, the new rule in the NFL is that if you give yourself up, you're down where you start to give yourself up. So even though he did fall into the end zone, I think to the letter of the law, the way they've rewritten it, at least for quarterbacks, he should have been down because he was giving himself up. But, you know, it, it's an interesting thing, because where does posture like actual posture fit into that conversation? Because when you think about it, traditionally, the quarterback's sliding, right? Or you're taking a knee. But in Gurley's case, he kind of like dead man planked towards the But in the I Packer have... Packer Tampa Bay game, um, you know, the, the touchdown where Rogers celebrated and then they overturned it. And then the wheels came off for green Bay. They ruled him down short of the end zone because he was diving and they said that he was giving himself up. So he was down where he started to dive. And that's where I guess, that's you know, if, if, for me. If, a, if a guy is, yeah, if a guy is running towards the goal line and he's trying to like kneel, but he falls into the end zone while well, he's giving himself up. Right. But 
Putin, here's you know, an, trying to here's an idea. trying to trying to be logical about the NFL rule book is an exercise in futility, I think. Yeah, well, here's an idea. Twenty when let's, scoring makes you lose. Yeah, let's. I know. Let's add rules with more subjectivity. How about that? Let's just uh, let's just spend all day in replay. That seems to be the way that we're going now. Well, I think somebody in the Atlanta front office has a bingo card on ways to lose, and they are <laughs> one space away from a million dollar bonus is between the onside kick. Um, and maybe it goes back to the, you know, super bowl too soon. They are figuring out ways to lose football games. Um, just like any bingo card, they're not going to get it. Like, I don't know why you're trying. Like, when do you get, nobody gets bingo. Like just stop trying already. My I goodness. mean, somebody gets bingo. Well, <laughs> it's the lady like, that smokes three packs a day and has yeah. 18 cards and, and playing them all at once. She's not the one the that Falcons. gets the bingo. Not the Falcons. <laughs> They're not getting bingo. Just stop trying. <laughs> you guys got Cruz riled up. You got that's that's good. You got Cruz riled up. I know. Uh, Here we are, sports talk show, and the only thing I get riled up on is bingo. bingo. Maybe we <laughs> yeah. should. I was just gonna say, maybe we should do a bingo segment. Uh, let's Cruz not. could really go off let's, the go off the rails. Yeah, let's and, get Mohegan's son to sponsor it. I think that, that that's... And those thing, right? daubers, what do you do with those things? <laughs> I got that bingo! <laughs> so br- bringing it back to college a little bit, you mentioned, the, you, you mentioned Ohio State and it being a foregone conclusion pretty much that they're coming out of the Big Ten. And I think it's a fairly you know, widely held belief. Clemson probably has no one because we've seen Notre Dame actually play somebody this year and it did not go well. So I'm just curious, it feels like it's another year with at least three of the four spots of the college football playoff already decided. And, you know, as a non power football fan, it's really uninteresting. I'm at that point where I'm kind of over the Bama or bust mentality. And, and honestly, like I, I appreciate sec football as much as the next person I really do, but outside of, what was supposed to be Georgia, and I guess we'll see with Florida. The rest of the SEC is not any good. A and M maybe has a claim, but I'm not convinced there either. It just it doesn't feel like. And again, I think this is where kind of the sloppy football conversation comes in. It's hard to watch sloppy football that also doesn't matter if everything else is already de- decided. But I'm I'm struggling with staying in tune because normally the Big Twelve at least has a chance, and I've got you know conference bias to root for or there's a team that's got a good story or, or, or something there's a non-power five to root for but this year it feels like all those storylines are a little pre-written well that's, yeah, i would agree with that yeah that's, i would agree with that i think i think that the dynasty aspect of college football you i mean you mentioned alabama certainly ohio state i think you can lump in teams like clemson and lsu who have you know maybe come a little more recently to that party but when you do have these perennial teams that are always up there and you've only got four spots open, it does start to feel, I think a little like, you know, you're playing the same record over and over. And I I feel kind of the same way. I've lost a little bit of interest in college football just because of that aspect where, you know, certainly with the Badgers not playing until last weekend, you just kind of feel like you're watching the same season, even though it's just a different year. Yeah. And part of that is just the weakness of the ACC. There's literally no one that can challenge Clemson, at least in regards to Alabama. Remember, LSU won the national title last year. You know, out of the three last, uh, the last three SEC titles, Bama's only won one. You know, so everyone gets Bama fatigue, but it actually prevents them from looking at the fact that the SEC, at least for the last three years, hasn't just been Bama. You know, and, and so that's the thing. I mean, the one team that's been in the SEC title game the last three years is Georgia. They've won one, they've lost two, you, you know, so, so that, that's the thing. And until Kirby smart figures out how to get a quarterback, I don't know that they can challenge Bama this year. They had their shot, led that game into the third quarter and then let it get away. But Ohio state, I mean, Ryan day, man, you got to give him credit for just keeping what urban Meyer started going unless Jim Harbaugh sells his soul to the devil and can actually compete against Ohio state, Ohio state and Clemson are going to be there. Like they have to literally beat themselves or have something weird happen 
like the Iowa loss a couple years ago or the Purdue thumping where somehow I still don't know how they lost the 28 points to Purdue, but they, they have to go in and just totally beat themselves to not be a factor. And, and it was kind of that way in the big 12 with Oklahoma until this year, you know, I mean, you could pretty much say, well, Oklahoma's going to go, they're going to, they're going to lose a game. They shouldn't, but they're still going to win the big 12. And will that be good enough because the conference is weak to get them in. And, and so uh, everybody makes fun of the pac 12 because they always beat each other up. They don't have a dominant team, but well, which side of the spectrum do you want? You guys have fatigue over dynasties, but you also don't like the pac 12 because everyone can beat everybody. So I don't know. It's kind of crazy when, when you look at it that way. So to clarify my take a little bit, because I, I understand that point of view for sure. Parody works to a degree. You know, you start eating your own and parody is not interesting anymore. It gets you out of the conversation, not part of the conversation. So definitely not calling for that. But I think where I started this was I actually like watching SEC football. Like as a college football fan, SEC football is really interesting. But even in the SEC this year, I don't see a challenger. And and in years past, to your point, Russ, at least Georgia looked good on paper. We had a couple of those years where LSU either beat Alabama like last year or had those defensive just, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust games. I think there was the one game where there's nine points total scored um, the year that they had the rematch in the the national title game. But I don't see good SEC football this year either. And that's what's really confusing. Auburn's not any good. Mississippi State was interesting for a week, which Mike Leach normally is. <laughs> Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin's finding new ways to lose. Um, you know, and then you've got the Kentuckys and the Vanderbilts and the, the rest of the, the gamut that kind of is what it is. So, I mean, we'll see when Florida plays the top echelon teams. But so far, I, I think their only big dub is against A&M. And A&M really hasn't played the schedule yet. So... I'm just, I'm not even convinced we've got a good SEC this year, which is the challenge I've got. So my concern is that we're sitting here again, three, four weeks in, we've got another four weeks to go. And at this point, I'm almost like counting down the clock of like, Hey, let's get there already. And that's not normally the way SEC football goes. Yeah. I think not having any prep time uh, as we alluded to has hurt all of those guys, especially when you look at the SEC where you had a lot of new head coaches and a lot of new coordinators and nobody got to really do anything because of the pandemic. And I think that's showing now, unfortunately for Lane Kiffin, that's not his fault. I mean, Auburn's been gifted two wins already this year by sec officials. So Auburn, Auburn should be one in four. <laughs> so I don't know how you, you missed that call on, on Saturday where the guy, the ball hits his finger. You can see his finger bend and they're like, yeah, no, we're good. You know? And then Lane Kiffin complains about it. The, the league office says, yeah, you're right. But by the way, we're going to find you. We're not going to find the guys that missed the call. Like, I, I, I'm really not sure what's going on there. It's, that's a legacy of Lane Kiffin, right? It's like, uh, <laughs> it's like the guys in the NFL that they say, you know, get fined or suspended more often because they're on the watch list. Lane's kind of earned his stripes in, in some of those areas. So, uh, so Lane's yeah. the Vontaze perfect of the SEC. Absolutely. <laughs> and in some cases, I think earned. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. You, you burn enough schools, you have enough, you know, issues following your trail. You know, I'm sure <laughs> NCAA's got like a permanent tail on John Calipari, you know? Like <laughs> there's there's guys that have kind of kind of earned their stripes there. But it, it, you know, it, if the SEC ends up basically being Bama, you know, or maybe you end up with a one-loss Georgia or one-loss Florida, does an undefeated Pac-12 team even get in this year? Or does seven games qualify you for a full season? No. I don't think I, I don't think the Pac-12 is going to be a factor at all. Yeah, I agree with Dietz. Uh, even if they had somebody, maybe in Oregon, I know you. a lot of people like USC, maybe a, a under the radar, Herm Edwards doing stuff with Arizona State. But even if one of those three teams was able to make it through undefeated, I, I just don't know that seven games stacks up to 10 or 11 games for the ACC, 10 for the SEC. I don't know. And then the thing that worries me about Ohio State is not actually losing a game on the field. It's losing a game on the schedule because the big 12 or sorry, the big 10 is supposed to play every week. There are no bye weeks There's no off weeks. So what happens if we'll just say Michigan state and Rutgers wind up having COVID issues and Ohio state can't play those games. Is the six and Ohio state team going to get the nod? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting 
Uh, this, this would be the year I would not want to be on the playoff committee. I think the problem with the Pac-12 the pack teams is they're starting too far behind the eight ball, right? I mean, I think USC's 21. Oregon might be in the high teens in the coaching and the AP polls. They're just not on anybody's radar, and they're obviously starting later than every other team, right? So with a shorter schedule and just already starting behind, I don't think they can make up enough ground. You would have to have an absolutely dominant team. And as we've just kind of mentioned, Pac-12 isn't really known for that. They kind of beat up on each other. So even with a 7-0 and team, widely impressive, I think it's going to be very hard to unseat someone in the upper echelon that's already 5-0, and 6-0. and I mean, the cake is baked in for those types of teams. The The you know, obviously Alabama and Clemson and even Ohio state, I know they've only played one game, but the perception is that they're already going to be there. So it's just very hard to play catch up, especially when you're only playing a conference schedule and there's not going to be any out of conference play or any kind of head to head matchups that, you know, you might be able to put on your resume as a quality win. Who's going to be a quality win in the pack 12. I, I just, I don't see it. And your point Dietz, man. I mean, Bama's going to have already played, seven games six games at least by the time pac-12 even starts yeah because pac-12 doesn't start till november 7th right so bama's got another game this weekend your top teams are going to be six and oh maybe seven and oh by the time the pac-12 even starts they'll catch up a little bit i think the one thing i will say is that this is the year where i do think style points matter so if a team like oregon comes out make believe right and they run the chip kelly show and they house everybody. It's going to take something like that to really show up on the radar where you look at a team and you and, and they don't just pass the eye test, but they're wildly impressive. Uh, I don't think, to your point, 7-0 with you know, an average margin of victory of 3.5 gets it done. That's why I think I don't, I don't... Well, I understand why we're having a national championship playoff this year, but I don't think we should. I... I made the case a few shows ago about not saying that NBA, NHL, MLB champions, like not having to put an asterisk on the championship because everybody is going through the same circumstances. But that's not really the case in college football this year. You got a lot of different conferences going through a lot of different circumstances. And like you said, you've got conferences starting late. Conferences playing fewer games. It just doesn't, it's not going to feel right at the end of the day, at least in my opinion, to have really award a legit national championship this year. I think it's okay if we just played college football and enjoyed college football for what it is. Now, like I said, I get it. It's money. I know that's why we're having it, but it, this is the one that it's just not going to sit right with me. Uh, however they decide to pick and choose the four teams. This one is the one that doesn't feel right. That's, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for any, for, for, for anybody, you know, that, that enjoyed the MLB expanded playoffs, I think there would have been a really good case to be made for expanding the college football playoffs this year, at least in a one-off uh, we've heard for since we were going to school, right. About a potential eight or even 16 team playoff. Just imagine if they would have put something like that on the table this year to really entice the fan interest and kind of get everybody interested in the season. But with a four-team playoff, I think everybody is just kind of locked into where the, the current thinking. I mean, we've we've kind of already mentioned how two or three of the spots are probably already locked in, and then you've got a few handful of teams probably playing for that fourth spot. I did bring up Oregon's schedule, just Scotty, to kind of throw up a, a counter narrative. They play Stanford, Washington State, UCLA, Oregon State, Cal, and Washington. So even if they win each of those games by 60 points, I don't know that I could consider any of those, quote-unquote, a statement win until you would get into the Pac-12 championship game, right? And that would require either a USC or an Arizona State maybe overperforming to get into that. I just think the, the Pac-12 is an afterthought this year, and I think they're going to kind of continue to run in that in that vain yeah yeah and, and you're right deets uh when you you mentioned starting behind oregon's 14th they're, they're 
that's not top 10. That's, that's way out. I mean, uh, yeah, it's only 14, but with everybody else already having that jump and Dietz, I totally agree with you. This would have been the year to make that eight team playoff MLB expanded. The NFL has added an extra team from each conference for their playoff. Everybody else, it seems did something to tweak what they needed to do to have their postseason. I'm not going to say make be more relevant, but acknowledging this, the unique situation and circumstance that everyone is in right now. And yet college football had that opportunity and failed to capitalize on it. Well, and it's and a way to bring in more revenue. I mean, look at how much revenue these sports are losing, certainly on the college front, right? I mean, a, a couple more games on national television with some big time ad revenue could have made the, a big difference to a lot of these conferences. So it's a complete miss. And I think it's just goes to show that the, you know, college, the NCAA just continues to lag behind when it comes to forward thinking on this type of stuff. And I, I realize it's the student athletes and it's not professional, but you know, they easily could have expanded to a 18 playoff this year with, by only adding one other round. If yeah, they had every game in news. Texas, they could uh, host 50,000 fans and make some money back too. <laughs> well, the revenue thing hits home. Uh, I was reading an article. Uh, Georgia was expected with their home slate this year. They had expected to get $63 million in revenue. They're getting $12 million because of the social distancing and everything else. They just can't. You know, you can't have that same amount of fans. So, so everyone's going to get hit. And if Georgia's taking a $50 million hit, think about what some of these other schools are taking who may not even actually, you know, finish positive. They're, they're probably going to finish in the red. And also for those of you new to the show, when Deet says, when we went to school, uh, that was a long time ago. So just, you know, we don't have they've to been talk talking about, about expanding the teams for, Oh, come on. The eight game playoff talk was that. talked about five years ago, 10 years ago, <laughs> been talked about consistently years ago for a period of time. <laughs> there you go, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll keep the football theme going. So we've, we've got a lot of college, which was fun because we hadn't really had a chance to talk a lot of college football with all the craziness in college. Welcome to the NFL. It is the fun league now, so I, I don't know what, what, what we can make it stand for, but I, I mean, it's nuts. And, and I don't know if you guys got to watch Sunday night's game, but that game was awesome. Dude, Russell Wilson, I don't know why they haven't been letting him cook for the last five, six years. Just let Russ cook because that man is playing out of his mind. And Dietz, I just wanted to keep the Wisconsin quarterback thing going for you. Well, I appreciate it, Russ. Thank you very much. Although he was mostly NC State. One good year and it's red and white. Either way, you know, consistent with his collegiate colors of choice. <laughs> I, I did hear, I heard an interview with, um, with him. I, I think it was on, on Bill Simmons show. He says he spends upwards of a million dollars just on recovery annually. Holy moly. That's insane. It's something like two hyperbaric chambers. You know, you got a full masseuse on call on staff year round. My goodness. So that, that that's what we're all missing. Okay, I got it. Just yeah, when I when I rake leaves all weekend, that's what I need is a few hyperbaric chambers, <laughs> ah, and I'd be yes. ready to go on a Monday morning. Oh, rare <laughs> to go on Monday, Mike. You have no idea what you're missing. Could you imagine being like the seventh stream wide receiver, just observing all of that? That's crazy. Anyway, Russ is impressive. <laughs> that game. Now, interestingly enough, I think. Seattle looks at the point spread and is like, how close can we get every single week to just on the line? And they ended up, you know, losing this week, but every single game is close. It it makes it more interesting to watch, obviously, but they were up 13 points twice, 10 points with five to go and lost even after a missed field goal in overtime. That was crazy. Yeah, it was quite the game. And as far as the NFL goes, that was the most impressive thing I've seen all year was DK Metcalf running down Buda Baker. And if you haven't watched that, go watch that. It's insane to think a dude that big can move that fast. Yeah. And when you talk about, you know, you kind of get used to seeing a bunch of really, 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 really incredible athletes competing against each other all the time. Every weekend, you kind of get, you don't sometimes appreciate how much of an athlete these, you know, these guys are. And when you see a play like that, you go, oh, yeah, these, there are some 
amongst freaks of nature, there are some massive freaks of nature out there. Like just the incredible athleticism. Like, it's it's unbelievable. We saw and a, that's a few of those this weekend. Go ahead, Deets. Well, I was just going to say that goes back to a conversation we had a few weeks ago about, you know, not letting up, which is why you never let up until after you've crossed the goal line. Right. Because at any given time on an NFL game, you've probably got three or four of those physical freaks of nature on the field. And I just don't understand why anyone would start hot dogging it at the 20 yard line with those kind of guys coming after you. I think (laughs) Buddha was hustling, though. I don't know for sure. No, no, no. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, going back to that conversation from a few shows ago, that absolutely. there's absolutely no reason to ever start high-stepping or doing anything until you cross that goal line because there's always guys coming. Ironically enough, the, the guy that hot-dogged was DK Metcalf. That's what spurred that conversation. It was against the Cowboys. Fair <laughs> enough. Right. Hey, lesson learned. Lesson learned. Yep. So, uh, you know, he, he got it talking to. I I would love to see, you know, the old John Brinkus sports science on the Metcalf <laughs> chase down, you know, yardage covered top speed and then compare him to gazelle like top end speed. I mean, there's got to be something there. It, it, it yeah. was really impressive. It, it was funny, too, because on the Thursday night game, not a, a feat of speed, but I saw a very <laughs> Paul Pierce like Deke from Patrick Mahomes on that first down play where basically he stopped, turned around, went backwards and everybody looked at him like, what is this dude doing? And then went another four yards forward. It just reminds me of how somehow, even though he was maybe the slowest guy in the league, Paul Pierce could always get you on the wrong foot. And then he would hit that little soft fade away from the elbow. It was really, it was like a slow motion play to go watch, but it was another example of Mahomes being Mahomes. Well, and there's also like, what apparently he's been taking advantage of knowing that people can't that defenses can't attack a quarterback. Right. So you kind of start to go to the sideline a little bit and act like, well, I'm just going to run out of bounds. And then the defense has to let up because if they touch a guy like Mahomes face of the league, when he's even like half a step out of bounds, that's getting a flag. So then they let up and he's getting three or four more yards, getting first downs that way. And at some point or another, like somebody's going to somebody's going to make him pay for that. He'll probably deserve it. But those are the kind of things where it's like you could say, oh, yeah, he's he's smart. Dude's taking advantage of the rules. But like, come on, don't don't be that. Don't be doing it that way. <laughs> probably Bostic. <laughs> that guy should be suspended, by the way. That guy should be absolutely suspended for that. Dude, hit. That was a nasty hit. I, I mean, and, and for us, I mean, we all feel for redheaded Jesus because, you know, we're all TCU guys, you know, and so to watch him get lit up. So uh, we were speaking about the best division in football, which without a doubt, hands down, is the NFC West through seven games. Everyone's over 500. I, I saw somewhere that that's only like the second time in history that that that's happened. But let's let's talk about the the NFC least the the worst division in football where a superb record of two, four, and one leads the division. And it's Cruz's favorite team sits in there, the Cowboys. The Cowboys. And is McCarthy's seat getting warm? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. If it's not, it's pure ego as to why it's not. And not his. We, right. <laughs> we, right. We don't have to convince Dietz that this hiring was uninspired. I heard somebody <laughs> talk this week about you know, the coaching carousel in, you know, major league baseball continuing to give jobs to, you know, borderline managers over and over again. I know McCarthy's got a Super Bowl. I, I get that. But there's plenty of other guys that have made a Super Bowl that you would never hire, including some head coaches like Dave Campo in, in Dallas. Right. Like I don't understand what is interesting about taking a guy who when he left Green Bay the reason why is because his offense was uninventive and vanilla and uninspiring and his quarterback was basically over it, right? That was the entire conversation in Green Bay at the time. There's so many inventive guys out there. We keep hearing rumors of, you know, wooing Lincoln Riley. I got to think if Jones really wanted to, Lincoln Riley would be the head coach of the Cowboys right now. But for some reason, and it, it, I actually think it absolutely has to do with his ego 
he's got to be the biggest guy in the room. He keeps hiring guys that are uninspiring. I don't, I don't understand. He's, he's hiring guys that he can push around, right? I mean, that, that he can dictate how the, how the team gets coached and how the team plays. And I thought from the beginning that McCarthy was an odd fit. I think, like, I think Mike, Mike McCarthy can be a very effective NFL coach. I mean, when he took a very young and raw Packers team after Brett Favre retired and basically coached them up and got them into the Super Bowl as a wild card and they ended up winning that game. I mean, I think he did very well where he started to struggle is when they had an established team that was expected to contend for the Super Bowl year in and year out. And he continually came up short. And I think that's why the fit didn't make sense because Dallas was by all accounts, a Super Bowl favorite, right? I mean, you had the league's best scoring offense coming back mostly and one of the top five defenses. And it just didn't seem like they needed a guy like McCarthy. They didn't need a guy that was going to come in there and quote unquote, legitimize the team or toughen them up. McCarthy has an issue connecting with star players and Dallas is all star players or at least that's what Jerry Jones wants to attract as star players. And I think for, you know, without having a training camp and preseason for those guys to kind of buy into McCarthy's system and maybe learn kind of the ropes about, you know, playing for the guy next to you on the line. I think this was always kind of doomed. And then Dak going out was, I mean, that was, it wasn't the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, it was the brick that broke the camel's back. I mean, now they just have, nothing to play for. And I think that everything you've heard out of Dallas these last three weeks has just been continually negative. And it continues to point to the fact that McCarthy is just a bad fit for that job. And if they keep him after this year, I think you're right, Scotty. It's just because Jerry Jones doesn't want to admit that he made a mistake, but it's clearly not a good fit and it's clearly not working. Well, it also doesn't look good when you're the Dallas Cowboys and the best professional head coach in the last 15 years was coaching the Dallas Renegades of the XFL. So they got Bob Stoops. The Cowboys got Mike McCarthy. So I think it's totally got to be the biggest name in the room, got to be the big man. And there's so much wrong with this team, yet they're only a half game out of first. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry. It's just just funny to say. And people are saying, should they trade for Sam Darnold? Should they try to get Ryan Fitzpatrick? Does it do you any good to try to win such a sorry division and give up what looks like is going to be a very high draft pick? Because even if you win the division by only winning six games, well, you're not drafted until the twenties. Well, and, and that's, that's what Jerry Jones, I think has been guilty of for a long time. Look, the NFC East has not been a very good division for a while. You've had some strength with the Eagles, and the Giants riding good seasons, picking up a couple Super Bowl wins. But for the most part, Washington has been down and the Giants and the Eagles have struggled. I mean, I wouldn't say that either one of those teams could be considered on the level of certainly not the Patriots, but even other teams that have had success over the last 15, 20 years, the Steelers, the Packers, teams like that. The Cowboys have always kind of been in it because the division is up for grabs. You can win 10 games and take it. And they're just like throwing money at a, at a, at a bad beat. You know, it's like, it's, it's bad gambling here. They're better off to tear the thing down and start moving off pieces before the wheels really come off and, you know, try to try to get the ship pointed in the right direction because yeah, even if they won this division with six wins, I mean, what are they going to do? This isn't a Super Bowl team. This isn't even a playoff team. They're just happen to be in a half game out of first, like you said, Russ, but that's only by the circumstance of the division being so bad. The point differentials for the NFC East teams are just horrendous. I mean, nobody's better than negative 30 in the entire division. (laughs) And the Cowboys are last at 67 points uh, against, right? I mean, they've given up 243 points in seven games, which is, uh, that's gotta be an NFL record or at least in the top five for the worst to start a season. It is not, you know, yeah. You know, if they get, uh, if they manage to trade for Sam Darnold, you know, maybe, maybe Adam Gaze will come along with him. I don't know. That's like, could we, can we pick a worse coach? Maybe, maybe it's possible. Yeah. (laughs) Leave it to Jerry. I mean, I, I have no idea. Like I mentioned 
a few shows ago. I love that we're like referencing this now. It's this massive backlog of shows, but um, I the Cowboys seventeen have given, years worth of shows. That's Bruce. true. That's right. You're right. Years worth of shows. Okay, now you're the one saying how far back we go. The, the so gap in between is irrelevant. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's just we, we've nothing. got like over two hundred shows. People, come on. It's, that's true. That's true. All right. Uh, so, but there's nothing inspiring about the Cowboys, and there hasn't been for a long time. And that's what I keep I keep waiting for something that I just I don't think is going to happen. I don't know what it's going to take. Probably you know, trying to be morbid, but Jerry Jones is going to have to go away. Uh, I but I mean I don't really know if it's the rest of the family is going to be any better at managing that team. But anyhow, it's just uh, yeah, not completely uninspiring. Nothing to watch. Like it's a train wreck and I'm just interested in driving on by. But I do think I was I was curious as to what how you think Andy Dalton felt about having plays called by Kellen Moore. Like, do you think he's sitting there going, <laughs> hey, ha, I'm still a quarterback or uh, maybe you should get out of here on the field well, because I don't want to be running for my life anymore. Kellen I don't know Moore's paycheck. Kellen Moore's paycheck's about three X what Dalton's is right now. So well, it can work either way. Yeah, I but yeah, it's a it's it's a good thought. But interesting that you that you bring that up. One point I think that is worth noting: McCarthy didn't bring in either coordinator. Right. He inherited more. They brought in Mike Nolan, by all accounts, completely without consulting him. I'm not I'm not sure exactly what McCarthy's role in the strategy is, and I think that goes back to if he can't be a motivator, which is not his strongest suit by all accounts, I'm not sure what the guy's there for. You, you cut his knees out from under him, and now you're asking him to manage arguably two pieces of a team that he's not strategizing for. I understand he's the head coach. I'm sure he's very involved in all of the game planning. I, I get all that, but clearly Mike Nolan's got a defense. Kellen Moore obviously comes in with his own school of thought, and maybe the point of that was to try to modernize some of what McCarthy's doing, but I will say Interesting way to give a guy a shot. Maybe not the fairest shake of all time. No, and I think McCarthy didn't didn't have a lot of leverage uh, in that negotiations, which again is why I feel Dallas was such a bad fit. I mean, when you're going in to talk to Jerry Jones about the Dallas Cowboys head coach coaching vacancy, Jerry Jones has all the cards, right? And for a guy like McCarthy who got fired midseason by the Packers, a team he won a Super Bowl with. Then he got passed over uh, for numerous coaching positions, including the Cleveland Browns, which at the time were being GM'd by a guy who used to work in Green Bay and kind of sounded like he was shooting up a warning flare regarding McCarthy as being perhaps, you know, just not adapting to the current NFL. He sits out a year. He kind of rebuilds himself with a little YouTube video about he's, you know, buying into analytics. Then he comes in. I mean, he basically has to do whatever Jerry Jones tells him um, with the coaching staff. And I think when you look at the coaching staff that he's got, it's not just Kellen Moore, but you know, with Mike Nolan and Joe Philbin and McCarthy and, you know, some of the other guys they got on there. I mean, you've got three former NFL head coaches and then you've got a bunch of guys that just kind of came from different, you know, Moore was retained by the old, uh, the old guard. So he might not be, completely bought into what McCarthy's doing. And you just have in a lot of ways, you know, maybe it's not PC to use that too many chiefs, not enough Indians uh, moniker anymore, but it seems like that's exactly what's going on in Dallas, right? They've just, they've got so many guys that are supposed to be leaders that aren't leading and the team just looks lost. I mean, that, that the game against Washington was one of the most embarrassing football games I've seen, not just for the, Bostic play, but the touchdowns that they were giving up, I mean, they just, they looked like a team that didn't want to be there. And for week seven of the NFL season, I think that's pretty damning for an NFL head coach, especially one with McCarthy's experience. If this was a rookie guy, somebody jumping from college, he has to learn the ropes. Maybe you give him some more time, but this is a guy with 10 plus years experience in a Super Bowl. His team should not look that unprepared. Yeah, it's not good when your defensive coordinator's highlight of the season is getting Tabasco in his eye during the Zoom call. Oh, levity, I guess, huh? Something At least they were sadness. able to stop something. <laughs> no one was finally able to drop a stop. He stopped the conference call. So we, we've talked a little bit about 
embarrassing play and, and what that looks like. I have a special guest next to me that would like to highlight the most embarrassing play he's seen this year. So if I might introduce the other hatter in the room. So this is my oldest son, Kai, and he's going to give us a little feature this week on his favorite play of the year. Let us, let us also not miss this moment and that Kai is our first special guest on the triple play reboot. That is, he is our first special guest. Is that, that's got to be the first father-son combination on triple play <laughs> ever in our 17-year history. You guys are our Griffies. Good job. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to help in that quest, so let it, let it be Kai. <laughs> hey, Kai. Can you hear us? Hello. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, there he is. All right. So um, my most embarrassing play of the year. Um, so Daniel Jones is going out for a run to the end zone. And on the 20-yard line, he falls over for no apparent reason. And there's no one beside him or in front of him. And there's, just, and there's guys only like 10 yards behind him. And he just falls down. And, and I laughed at the side of the play. <laughs> so funny. Yes. That is the NFC East in a nutshell, folks. That, that, that's their best play of the season. <laughs> yeah. Could you have scored that touchdown, Kai? Um, if... Just say yes. It's okay. <laughs> did you only hear, if did, only if my cleats had good grip and the floor was an icy. <laughs> okay, there, there you go. go. There you did go. Did you get your mom's? <laughs> did you get your mom's speed or your dad's speed? Uh, <laughs> a little bit in between because my, oh, dad okay. right. way oh, see. my dad's way faster than me, but I'm way faster than my mom. So. Okay. All right. Well, there, there you, you go. go. I gotta like it. There you go. All right. <laughs> one, thing, one thing you can a know about bit in between. <laughs> One thing you can know about this show is that you don't have to hold back. You can you can go at your yeah. dad if you want. Yeah, That's you can okay. make fun of your dad all you want. We're right okay now. with that. That's why we brought you on. <laughs> Good job. I, like I think, that, I th- well you I think that Daniel Jones that Daniel Jones play was just a, a it was like a visual representation of 2020. You know, like isn't isn't that the perfect play for for this year? Oh yeah, just in so many ways. It is. And I think, Kai, I, th- yeah. I think Kai gets a regular spot on the show now. That was definitely good <laughs> enough for us. All right, Kai, you've got to watch all the sports you can. Okay. The next show, though, Kai, what I want is I want a Bayern Munich update. <laughs> all right. Can you do that for us? Uh, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> You'll just, well, you, oh, yeah, you have to ask your dad now. You have to ask your dad. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's your homework is a Bayern Munich update for the next show. <laughs> I wish you could Wait. see how confused he looks right now. It's fantastic. It's all right. But thank you, Kyle. Unless you're scaring good. him. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for having me on, guys. Yes. Uh, thanks, Kyle. Thank you, buddy. Good job, buddy. Man, that is like he is you. He is mini Scotty Hatter. He is mini, he is mini Hatter. That I mean, that that rant had all of the pacing of a Scott Hatter <laughs> rant. Like it was mini Scott Hatter. That was incredible. <laughs> Uh, his mother definitely heard the uh, I'm faster than mom reference in there as well. So you may be able, I, I don't know how, how good the, the mic is, but you might hear a gasp in the, in the background there as she right. walked by the makeshift studio here. Yeah. Uh, we, that was good we, stuff. We gave him some homework for the next show. So he kept looking at me. I'm like, I can't hear what they're saying. I don't know. Yes. Well, he gets to tell you what it is because we're not going to tell you. Yeah, you know, we're not going to tell you. So you I'm, either got to listen to the show or he has to remember. I say, I'm, I'm now really interested to listen to the show at 45 <laughs> minutes in just to see exactly where that conversation went. You don't listen to the whole show? I oh, listen man, to the whole show, on. but I usually also have already listened to the whole show once. <laughs> in this case, I've got about a three minute you know, gap in my memory where I've got a blackout. You don't know what we talked about. I have no it's idea. Awesome. It's good stuff good stuff <laughs> all right Thanks, uh, good uh that was fun man uh that play dude I, I was watching that and that that play is hard to describe like everyone saw it or seen it by now and you still can't believe what you're watching like how like how does the turf monster get him at the 20 yard line and you could see him falling for like 15 yards before he got <laughs> actually fell yeah. that was probably the best part he's like oh god oh no i'm falling yeah, i'm falling stay up Trump- <laughs> Something grabbed his foot at like the 25 and he was yeah. just like, you know, he was trying to keep it together, but yeah, that was, that just wasn't happening. 
I think he was hoping somebody was going to catch him in the open field and he didn't have to <laughs> yeah. run that far. And when yeah. nobody showed up, he just, you know, just well, didn't know what to do. So I got to introduce the idea of the turf monster to my family because <laughs> of that play. Because, you, you know, you don't come across the turf monster so often, but when it happens, it's, it's really good. I think It'll that might you. be uh, my wife's second favorite sports euphemism outside of doink. And, and, <laughs> and speaking of Russ, I'm really curious. So we, we had turf monster attack of, of Daniel Jones and he may still have been able to roll completely into the end zone. Had he just kept going? I think he just gave up. I, he absolutely <laughs> did. Where is that going to sit? If we, if we kind of have a, a worst play of the year award, where is that sitting right now versus the rice kicker with the most impressive four bounce field goal miss? Yeah. The, the greatest uh, kick ever, the quadruple doink. Uh, in the Rice game. And I got to say the Rice game is worse because that was for the win. The Giants at least scored the touchdown on that drive. At least they didn't, you know, didn't turn out to be no scoring. And it, it literally had no impact other than the fact more time ran off the clock and they got to run another couple of plays for Jones to get his breath back. But the Rice game, it, I, I mean, I don't know how you're able to kick that. And obviously it's not on purpose, but for it to hit the upright, the crossbar, the other upright, the crossbar again, and still stay out with no time on the clock is unbelievable. And then not only that, they actually wind up losing the game because it goes to overtime. So that's got to be the the worst bad luck play, the best bad luck play. I, I don't know. Absolutely. I don't even know how you cra- categorize it. I think but there's it's an the opportunity worst there for a a student led fundraiser of some kind to see if anybody can recreate that kick attempt. Yeah. Spoiler five, alert: they five can. bucks into a raffle, and you get. <laughs> One one kick attempt. We'll just keep lining it up, kind of like when Chicago tried to see if anybody can make the parky field goal, and, and you know, a bunch of beer drinkers <laughs> came out there and fell in the rear end. See, I gotta awesome. go. The, I gotta go the other way, Russ. The 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 Daniel Jones play is just way more embarrassing because if you miss a field goal by five yards wide right, I mean that's much far much farther away from actually making that kick than what that guy did at Rice, right? Like. He was literally as close as you could possibly be to not getting it based on probably all the mathematics that you can have. It was probably a millimeter one way or the other, but Jones just fell down when all he had to do was literally just keep running. <laughs> so just I can't, keep running, just keep running. Running. I, I think, I think if you're going with a heartbreaking, you know, heartbreaking play, certainly the, the rice kick might be up there, but if you're going for just flat out embarrassing, I mean, it's gotta be Daniel Jones, right? It's pretty. Yeah, rough. I mean, I, well, I, what was Scotty? What was the question? Like, which was which was worse? <laughs> like, I, I, now, I, look, I mean, worse has different. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Sure. So to so, me, yeah, worse is the one that resulted in the losing of the game. And like I said, at least the Giants scored after Jones's stumble. The way that Deets describes uh, the missed field goal, though, makes me think of Mighty Ducks one, where Gordon Bombay yeah. hits the post. But just hey, think a quarter exactly. of an inch one way, and it goes in. Yeah, but a quarter inch the other way, you missed the goal completely. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's good. That's good, solid life advice right there. That's a dynamite drop, Scotty. <laughs> Disney Plus for the win. All the money does. Ducks fly together. To go. <laughs> well, we're, we're taking certainly a roundabout way to get there. It might be as appropriate enough time as any to take a left turn. Rounded? Right. Did you say round? <laughs> yes. That is or correct. oval. Should he have said oval or roval? Roval would be better, Roval. I think. Yeah. yeah, Roval. Yeah. For those who are joining us for the first time, or if you've forgotten because you've drank a lot since the last show, which is kind of what Deets and I do, it's time for left turn with Cruz. Whoa! Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for left turn with Cruz, where Cruz talks about the, everything that's NASCAR. Sometimes he'll do other motorsports, but it's mostly NASCAR. It's mostly NASCAR. That's right. You might, yeah. you might drink heavily during this segment. I don't know, but <laughs> here we are. Here we are. The segment where Cruz possibly talks to himself for a couple minutes. Uh, but I do hope, I do hope Russ that you have some, some comments here because what we didn't get to talk about in the last show was the 2021 NASCAR cup schedule. And um, from a guy that got destroyed by a caller and was not able to respond to said caller Back in our uh, back in our college days, because the comment I made was about Mark Martin. I, d- I remember this because I'm still so bitter <laughs> oh that goodness. I did not get a chance to talk to this guy. Um, 
my comment was about, I think it was probably after a Talladega race or a Daytona race, whatever, that Mark Martin had crashed out for about the billionth time in a super speedway race. And I said, I'll bet you if you ask Mark Martin, would he prefer four road courses or four super speedway races that Mark Martin would say he'd prefer four road courses. And uh, I don't know the guy's name. I don't know our famous caller, but what did he say, Russ? <laughs> that cruiser guy's an idiot. That's right. <laughs> that cruiser guy is an idiot. Those words <laughs> haunt me to this day. Uh, he apparently just Obviously. felt like, yeah, he apparently <laughs> felt like his boys need to turn left and that's all they need to do. Well, I don't know where that guy is sitting today, but he probably fell out of his chair a couple weeks ago when the 2021 NASCAR schedule was released because we have not one, not two, not three. I'm not going to go through it all, but we have six road course races this coming season. And that is super exciting. Not to least to mention that one of them is going to be in my backyard here at Circuit of the Americas. And I really, really hope that some capacity of fans will be allowed uh, or maybe it's just worth getting the vid because I want to see that race in person because <laughs> I've seen now I've seen formula one go around there and it is a spectacular weekend for the spectacle and to see cars that are just planted to the racetrack flying around, but the racing isn't really all that interesting. Then I had Indy cars, which less downforce, much racier. That was a spectacular weekend. So much fun. And now 3,500 pound stock cars trying to barrel around circuit of the Americas. I cannot wait. And apparently just a couple of weeks ago, or maybe, maybe even just this past weekend, they announced that it will be a full three series weekend. So trucks, Xfinity and cup will be at Coda that weekend. So man, tickets are on sale cruise, uh, the deposit tickets are uh, not on sale yet. I already got the emails. Don't you worry. I get them um, too, but not because I've ever been to a race because I saw a Justin Timberlake concert there. So, yeah. <laughs> well, the concerts are also good. I, I have don't seen think like, that's the same thing. Yeah. Technically I, I had to buy a race, a race ticket to see oh, the circuit, okay. you know, yeah, the F1 but race, but I didn't actually go to the race. Oh, you should, you gotta just, uh, man. Cruz, does that that's mean you're getting tickets for, for me and you to go to this? That is, do, I hope you can come like, yeah, I'll catch the vid. that's Memorial day weekend. Why not? Yeah, exactly, man. So, so Coda on that schedule is just spectacular. Um, there's a lot of it, both excitement and trepidation about Bristol, the spring race. Oh, dude, the I dirt know. race. That's the one I want to see. The dirt race at Bristol. And I get it. It's, it would be like, I'm, I'm trying to think of the way that you could uh, compare this to uh, other sports. It would be like, saying, okay, for one weekend, the NFL is going to play with leather helmets. Or on the <laughs> beach. Right. It's, they haven't run <laughs> on dirt uh, since, the, I think, a, the 70s was the last race on dirt. And back then, like, that was the path that a lot of drivers took to get to the upper echelon of uh, basically the NASCAR was, was driving on dirt. But this just not the path anymore. And most of these drivers have not, some of them have never driven on dirt. And it's going to be interesting in how that all ultimately plays out, right? Because you have a lot of small teams also that don't really have the money to invest in, well, now we've got to get a dirt track car built, which is completely different than any other kind of car they're going to build. But you put all of that aside, I think it's going to be an awesome, fun, just random one-off. Yeah, it's a points-paying race, but whatever. It's going to be a blast to watch. And I, I kind of can't wait for that one. I wish they'd make them use the cars from the 1970s. <laughs> as long as like that, that should be it, the right? car that they have to build. Whatever the whatever ones they were using back then, that's as what they should have as, to build for that. As Looks long like as you're demolition going all derby in. cars. Yeah. Yep. As long as you're going all in. Well, I mean, of course, if you talk to a lot of NASCAR fans today, that's what they want anyway. Actual, give me actual stock cars. Oh, well, you know, I guess. Sure. Y'all are basically um, just describing the plot to Cars 3 at this point. <laughs> well, we do, right, do, some of us don't can, have kids can, and we don't watch Disney+. I was going to say, you can, tell, you can tell who's got the kids on this yeah. show. Today. <laughs> I was yes. just saying, but between the dirt track and the Demolition Derby <laughs> references, that's essentially the plot of, the plot of Cars 3. Got Dude, it. you need to get us a Disney Plus sponsor because you keep pitching it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. At, at this point, we need one. <laughs> Um, Mandalorian comes out Friday. Oh, uh, yeah. True. Uh, so, and then, the yeah. Then, so, so then Sonoma's back on the schedule. 
California was out this year because of COVID. So Sonoma's back. Road America, which is like we talked about this, it's right up in Deets, Deets neck of the Elkhart Lake, baby. That's yep. right. Like I, I would about an hour could, from here. Yeah, July Fourth weekend too. Like they moved the Daytona race. That's, that's yeah. I was July a little 4th. surprised. I was surprised that they put road courses on uh, on yeah. both Memorial Day and Fourth of July weekend. Traditionally, those are pretty big. Yep. You know, Sunday race days for for that. So I mean, that's well, you know they're really exposing the road courses this year, which is exactly. Which is good. I think it, if you're trying to grow the audience, but it's consensual that's... exposure. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. All right. So <laughs> if you are trying to grow the audience, I guess that's one way to do it. Um, but then, uh, yeah. So road America, like I might make a road trip for that. Cause that just sounds like I, I've always wanted to go to that track. Would love to do that. And then Russ, of course, just a few weeks later, the, the butt at the Glen. At the, <laughs> I know you were going to say the butt at the Glen. It's the go bowling at the Glen these days, but yes, in our That's hearts. That's not nearly as fun to say as the butt at the not. Glen. In our hearts, it is the butt at the Glen. Uh, that is back. And then in this batch of road courses they've got in the middle of the season, this is the one I'm a little bit conflicted on uh, because instead of running the Indianapolis course, the, the four-corner oval, they're switching that race to be on the road course. And while that was a very exciting Xfinity race this past year, it, I feel like it takes a little bit of the luster off. The Brickyard 400 was such a big thing when it first happened. And this is going to be an IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader weekend. So they'll both be racing the road course that weekend. But for drivers that wanted to win that Brickyard 400, they don't have that opportunity anymore. And there was a lot of prestige with winning on the traditional Indy oval. That's kind of gone with that race. So I'm sure it'll be good, but that's the one I would be not opposed if they actually switched it back to the road or I'm sorry, to the, to the oval. Yeah. There's, and, there's a, there's a fine line there, right? Cause you're talking about exposure on these holiday weekends. It piques my interest a little bit, right? As a very, very passive race fan, but it, it piques my interest for sure to, to, to check those out. And if you think about it too, when you're talking about those races being held, Memorial Day weekend is, is not a massive weekend for any of the other major sports. And July 4th is usually an off weekend for the most part um, for all of the major sports. So I think that's an major interesting thing. Baseball take. usually plays both weekends, but it's, yeah. Yeah, but then it's also right around the all-star break for baseball as well, right? So it's just right, right in that area. I guess my point is, you know, you're not going up against anything huge like you are early in the season with NASCAR. And so I do think it's an opportunity for new audience exposure. There's somebody in the, in the marketing department that has done a really good job here. The, the fine line is between interest and kitsch, right? Like we got to be careful on how far this goes to where the purists, right? They will turn off at some point. And if, even if they're not turning off for the season, they'll turn off for those events, I, I think, right. It's like, at some point you will lose some interest, at least that you're, you know, your hater from 18 years ago, right. He's uh, he's obviously not interested in. in yeah. Anybody I think people would argue with you that they've already, that ship has already sailed. Uh, a lot of people aren't happy with the direction of NASCAR cookie cutter tracks. Racing's not good, blah, blah, blah. So at this point they've, they've long passed that. I don't even know how to put it, but they've, they've crossed that bridge and they've left that bridge way behind. They have they have set the course that they want to go broadening, you know, bringing in more road courses, trying to change up the schedule since that's what people have been asking for for so long. Now, whether they'll like these schedule changes, I, most people are clamoring for more short tracks to kind of, again, take it back a little bit more to the history. But I love the idea of road courses. I clearly always have, even though some of our callers would disagree. But I, I really like this schedule. I think if nothing else, they've taken advantage of covid and some of the challenges and the way that they're doing these weekends to be able to bring some variety and some changes and to be able to take some risks. And I, and I think it's going to end up playing out to be a really, really interesting watch next year. Uh, the playoffs this year have been shaping up really well. That schedule remains largely untouched. And I just, I, I'm super excited about it. Can't wait. Like I said, I hope, hope I get to go to COVID Russ. Hopefully you can come along Scotty, you know, and hey, you know what, Deets, if I'm going to go up to Elkhart late for July 4th, you ought to come down for Kodom Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to meet you for at least a, for at least an alcoholic beverage. That's what <laughs> exactly. Do. Yeah, I'll, I'll come up for that too, Deets. We can all just drink the whole weekend. <laughs> that's all we do up here, to. you know? Yeah, yeah. The 
brats and beer. You guys got line and cool and brats. What more do you need? <laughs> Done. Like, I don't, yeah. Who's who cares about a race, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so, uh, so yeah, you could tell kind of what I watch these days, right? It's pretty much NASCAR and nothing else. So thank you for, for humoring me and allowing me to turn left and right. Don't forget about those right. Turns. <laughs> left and right. Left and right. <laughs> I know, I know the segment doesn't have, it's it's not as fun to talk about if we say left and right, but I'm, I'm excited for next year for this schedule. And really whenever it is that we eventually get this Texas race in, because as of tonight, we're in uh, hour 500 of the rain of the mist delay at Texas motor speedway. And we'll see how that ends up shaking out uh, and how it affects Martinsville coming up. But uh, I'm, I'm super excited about it and looking forward to it. All right. Good stuff, buddy. That's yeah. so, I, I, I want the dirt track. I'm looking forward to that. I think it's gonna be great. <laughs> I, it will be a good watch. It will be a good watch. I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a good watch. All right, boys. Uh, that's a lot, a lot of talking this week. Um, and if you missed stuff, a beat Gaith G then retired, uh, world series is still going on still one nothing race <laughs> in game six uh by the time we get back hopefully we may have a show quicker but if not the next show will probably include the pac 12 having shown up to play college football and you know we'll talk more stuff and cruise will talk racing and scotty will give a tour de france update to relive the glory days <laughs> well and kai, and kai's gotta come strong scott you got yeah you got some he, and kai's got his homework and uh deets has adult beverages to go drink so this is what I heard anyway. Uh, these are the things no, that I'm I not, think about. I'm not denying it, but I'm still a little hurt that you're just like, you know, keep hammering me on that. <laughs> I said me and Deets. I, I included me in that. There was no hammer. That was, it was, you know, brotherhood. All right. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, <laughs> however you're listening to us, whenever, wherever, we appreciate it as always. We will get back to you on the next time. Scotty, tell everybody where they can find us. 3playpodcast.com. Check us out on all the social media places on 3play Podcast. I will be super honest. Facebook and Twitter, somewhat active. Instagram, not much of a follow. Just <laughs> putting it out there. Uh, but uh, check us out. Um, be on the lookout for new content, new shows, um, and, and the like. 3play Podcast. All right. All right, boys. Enjoyed it. Everyone, see you next time.